Yes. You are now listening to the snap of Sports Reports as ordered. Dip set, dip set. <laughs> and let me just be clear. We ain't going to call you a nickname just because you got a nickname. Mac Jones. The only Mac we know is Craig Mac, Big Mac, and Little Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. <laughs> Getting Bill Belichick fired with your soft play. And my guy, Bailey Zappi. But what you going to get on Sports Reports is order. You're going to get the real. You ain't going to get no mediocre. Because we coming to you in effect, and we got our foot on everybody's necks. Out here in New Jerusalem. You're... This cold-ass weather. Sigh. It's just windy. You know, it's this crazy-ass weather. So you know he in a foul mood. But he's still going to keep it rational. Because he is the Virginia even kill, just like Mike Tomlin, Mr. Lock. You're in the building. And down here in San Antonio, (laughs) they talking about snow on Monday. Armageddon is here. And when the smoke clears, all you're going to see is cockroaches in 2-5. We will survive. <laughs> so tonight, no getting off my chest. We just going to get straight into it. So, Mr. Logic, I heard some news. It's a I heard lot some of rumors. news. A I lot of rumors. Yeah. A lot of innuendo. I heard that Dan Lanning and Mike Norvell are not going to Alabama. So that would mean that Nick Saban's not in Alabama. What? Why did it go? Bye. What? Bye. Yo, it has to be a point where it's like, I think this whole narrative, a lot of times, guys want to go out on top. More likely you won't. Jerome Bettis, Peyton Manning, uh, I think some other guys walked off their career with John major Elway. championships, John Elway. But Terrell Davis was the engine of that team. The Broncos defense was the engine of that team. And Jerome Bettis fumbled in a couple of games earlier that would have ended their season. You know, it was a rough end, but he's, you know, from Detroit, the game was a four field and it worked out for him. Uh, like, I mean, I don't know if if there's enough money. If that's the thing to say, you know, I'm I'm stable. I got enough money. I got enough money coming in. Or if it's just a matter of like, I don't feel like wake up in in the morning doing this. I don't feel like going from Tuscaloosa to some high school game in Florida to talk to. This guy and his mom and his dad and his grandma about coming to Alabama. Maybe he just like he can love it. He's like maybe like he's just sick of having to make those adjustments and even with the comfort of it. It's like man, I'm just sixty plus years old. What is he? What else does he have left to prove? You know what Nick Saban is? A 
I'm listening. He's the GOAT. You know what he's tired of? He's tired of not being able to cheat no more. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He was sitting up here talking about what Jimbo was doing. Like he wasn't sliding a little something under the table. Listen, Eric Dickerson's mom got a loan for that Trent, that that Trans Am back in the day. So, so do all the players that went to all the Division One schools in the SEC. You know, you know what else Nick Saban did for real though. All jokes aside, you know what he did though. He transformed college football. You know, he changed the game as we know it, and not just on the field. You know uh, what he did off the field, as far as this dude had Super Bowl people that coached in the Super Bowl on his sideline as analyst. Like I was watching the Alabama game one year and they were just doing like a span like around the stadium and everything. And they were like, yeah, there's Alabama football analyst, uh, Al Groh. I said, Al Groh, that was like a defensive coordinator at the Super Bowl. That was the head coach of Virginia. And there's Mario Cristobal. And there's major Applewhite. And there's Mike Stoops, like Bob's little brother. There's Butch Jones. All these dudes out major Apple White. He had all these dudes as analysts on his sideline. He showed us that America and college football do forgive because we saw when Lane Kiffin lost that game out in the desert and got left on the tarmac. And we thought it was over for him. You know, he had the Raiders job. We was like, how did he get it? He, you know, he went to Tennessee. We were like, how did he get it? How the hell did he get USC? And he got left on the tarmac. And then Nick Saban said, come over here to my rehabilitation center. And now Lane Kiffin is a candidate for the job. Lane Kiffin's going to be in the 12-team playoff next year. That's correct. You know, he might even beat Alabama next year if they play him, you know, because they have the number one transfer portal class as of today. You know, but also, you know, there was a guy that we talk about sometimes offline, Mr. Sarkeesian, who had some demons. He had some problems. Nothing. We ain't going to get into it. But, you know, he had some issues. He was fighting demons. And then Nick Saban said, yo, come to my rehabilitation center. And now he's the head coach of Texas. Just got done in the playoffs two weeks ago. And now he's a candidate for the Alabama job. You know, Nick Saban changed recruiting. And I didn't even get to the part where, oh, by the way, he spawned this dude named Kirby Smart. You know, who spawned another dude by the name of Dan Lanning, who (laughs) is not going to take the Alabama job, it sounds like. Yeah, he posted a map showing where he was going to stay. Yeah, so this Oregon. he did a lot of things that we didn't think could be done. You know, back in the 60s, 50s, earlier times, you had people like Bear Bryant that were dominating for decades on end. But they also had, I think it was 125 scholarships. They were just signing people so they wouldn't go to Auburn or go somewhere else, which is why Georgia Tech left the SEC because they felt that Alabama wasn't playing fair. So as we fast forward it to the 90s and early 2000s, we saw this guy show up at Michigan State with this defense. Like, we ain't know they play defense like that. Not at Iowa in the Big Ten. Then he came to LSU. 
a school that had never really amounted to anything prior to him arriving. They had won some national titles back when my granddaddy was defending the country with Drew, with Drew Brees' granddaddy. <laughs> my grandfather was out there too. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? But he did that. You we know all what I'm saying? One. And then he, he won a national title there. Then he came to Alabama and won six national titles in 12 years and played in other championship games besides those. So you couldn't talk about national championship. You couldn't talk about BCS. You couldn't talk about playoff without Nick Saban. We used to call it the Alabama Invitational at one point. They made it every year except for last year. That's Nick Saban in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, we kind of skipped over his time in Miami in the NFL, but it happens. It's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've yeah. done talked about the time I drove from Texas through to Virginia and I had to go through. I stayed a night in Tuscaloosa. There was no orange and blue throughout the entire city. Everything was burgundy. The buildings, the gas station. He has a Dr. Pepper advertisement because the colors match the Alabama uniforms. <laughs> uh it just, I mean, yeah, it has such a profound effect on college football that I think he's so far ahead. Like, his accomplishments are so far ahead of everybody else's. I don't think you'll be able to catch him. The love for Alabama made a dude go out here and poison some trees. Straight up and then called the radio station and told on himself. The Fine Bomb Show. Fine Bomb Show, the most popular <laughs> SEC football program <laughs> in the South. Probably nationwide for that matter. And then, and then, how did he get through? I don't know what he said to get through. I don't even know, like, but you, you can call these radio stations and not get through. He must have said, yo, I poisoned trees. And they're like, hold on. Save that. We're going to put you through. <laughs> and then my like, favorite part, it takes a lot to get through. My favorite part was when he was done. And he just said, roll damn tide. <laughs> People out there crying over them trees. It was hilarious. But you know, you know what got me though? We always talk about how big and bad the SEC is. You know, the SEC won all these national titles in the last 20 years. This man winning percentage in the SEC was 84.7. So 10 games a year, you can book him for eight and a half wins. Over under. Eight, and you're like, yeah, I'll take the over. Games, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take the over. Um, yeah, it was it was special, and you've seen a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I had an interview on with him earlier, playing on a TV. You you have some highlights of him spazzing on sideline, yeah, but everyone does. But he backs it up when he goes to the press conference. And if a reporter says something to one of his players, he's like, he'll immediately defend him. Right. Like immediately. Boom. No, that was my call to call that play or go fair on fourth and one, whatever, whatever the circumstances, he's quick to stand up, defend his players, get them ready. Cause if you think about it, like LSU with Joe Burrow under Ed Ogeron, everyone regards them as the greatest Uh, college football team ever. And he was fired a year and a half after that. So to consistently from Marcel Darius hitting 
Colt McCoy in the back and hurting his shoulder and putting him out of the game to, you know, Ohio State beating them, but just every year coming back because Alabama didn't win it every year. Right. They just were always in the hunt every single year. And when they didn't win it, they didn't implode. They didn't fire a bunch of people. They came back. They just reloaded. They were really the prime example of, like, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. I love so, old Gerard. Roll Tide, fuck you. Yeah, so, but you see what happened. Now, I think he's like a defensive coordinator for some other random college football <laughs> team. When yeah, you so- let the greatest college football team ever, you should, you know, your name should be raised in infamy like Nick Saban, but most of these guys just don't match up. So even I, as a Florida State fan, have to bow down because – Bobby Bowden had 14 straight seasons where his team finished in the top five at the end of the season. Nick Saban at Alabama was number one in the polls at least one week of the last 15 years between 2008 and 2022. So not this year. This year broke the streak. Yeah, and his that na- his national title years. The, so the six times he won the national title at Alabama, twenty one and two against top ten opponents. Since two thousand eight, thirty seven and fifteen against top ten opponents. Like, what can you say? And and he also, while the rest of the world was trying to find the big, fast, no huddle offenses and. You know, let's yeah. do. He still maintained his defense, even when he went and got Bryce Young, because that's what the Greeks do. They adapt. So he adapted, got Bryce Young, brought his Pippen, went four wide, went away from Eddie Lacy's and Mark Ingram's, like exclusively. Yeah. He just like a lot added, of people probably he added Derrick Henry to. He added guys like Derrick Henry to the three or four wide passing offense. To Amari Cooper and you know Calvin Ridley just getting a lot of wide receivers. I think because their uniforms are just so plain, it doesn't look as flashy on film. I mean, they're just wearing white pants and burgundy shirts. I like it. They look they look like the remember the Titans. I mean, ass. I don't want to be that guy, but I would say the shirts are probably crimson. Oh, yeah, crimson, <laughs> crimson tie. My bad. I got the, I used the wrong hue. Apologies. Let me get my pinky out. Uh, <laughs> But like I said, I think they just – I think they're just one of those teams that always was ready to go, and he always had them locked in. Even the kick six, you know, a lot of, a lot of plays like that to end your season or end your regular season or end a rivalry game, people are calling for your head. Like, people want Ryan Day fired out of Ohio State. I'm pretty sure his top ten winning percentage is probably just as good as Nick Saban's. But – his Ohio State win percentage isn't as good. Nick beat Auburn. He beat him, you know, enough. It was close a few times, and then Cam Newton year, and then, you know, like I said, with the kick six, it's been some years where Auburn's got the best of them, but for the most part, you never went to that Auburn-Alabama game, the the Iron Bowl, feeling like, oh, Alabama's ill-prepared for this team this year. Right. And because he never, like, you never looked at the schedule and said, I think Alabama's going to be overwhelmed by whomever it is on the other side of the schedule. It just never happened. That's a testament to his ability to keep coaches, 
Because we know when championships come, especially in the NFL, guys want to get paid. Guys want to get out. Guys want to get paid. Guys want to make sure they maximize, you know, the iron strike, you know, strike while the iron's hot. 11 he will let these, titles. He will let these coordinators go and just go get Lane Kiffin off the tarmac. Or he would just get Sarkeesian off the mat. Like, listen, man, come here, use that brain, be focused on something positive. Yeah, so I remember correctly, he got Sarkeesian from the Falcons, right? Or was that after, or did he go to the Falcons after? He went to the Falcons and then from the Falcons, he ended up at I'm not sure what yeah. the timeline is, but he was right. he was at he was at Atlanta as the yeah. offense coordinator before. But even then it wasn't good. So his departure from there. Granted, it wasn't, you know, a personal battle that he was beat, you know, fighting like he did with right. you know, prior to that, but it was a professional one. Like, right. do you know what you're doing? He doesn't get the Texas job without his stint no. with no, not Nick Saban all. and Alabama. So and now him and Lane Kiffin are allegedly candidates. Now I could believe that Sark is a candidate. But I don't take Lane Kiffin as a serious candidate for Alabama. I, I mean, like he just doesn't seem like one, an Alabama dude. If I had to pick one or the other, uh, I'm, going, I'm going with the guy that got Arch. That you think he's gonna stay? <laughs> I got, I got, Ole Miss. I think that Ole Miss has had that roller coaster. When they win six games, or when they win nine, and they win seven, and then they, you know, they win ten, yeah, and it's like up and down, and the expectations are always still hard, even though like the records don't really support it, right? I can see him taking an Alabama job. Like, listen, if I can make it work in LSU, because he's already at Tennessee, it's not like he has like, some kind of SEC, you know, allegiance. So I can see Lane Kiffin. I think he's a splash hire. And I think he can recruit the South because he's literally in the same region, recruiting out of Mississippi, probably recruiting out of Atlanta, probably, or you know, recruiting out of New Orleans, recruiting out of Texas, recruiting out of Alabama, recruiting out of Georgia. So it's just a matter of instead of trying to convince people to come to Oxford, Mississippi, it's going to well, go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I don't know. He just – I don't know. It just doesn't sound right, I guess. We'll see. Uh, but well, It didn't sound right when he was offensive coordinator. You know. And then it was when it worked. And then I, I think got, it fits, you know, I, uh, so what do you do if you're Alabama, right? Like, do you go for an established name? Do you go for, does it have to be someone contiguous to the South? Because according to Joel, yeah, because Brian Kelly's fake accent was egregious. Well, according to Joel Klatt, you know, college football aficionado, He's running around saying that he would be shocked if it wasn't Kellen DeBoer out of Washington, you know, so that would be a shock to me, you know, if it was Kellen DeBoer, just because, you know, coming from Washington, I don't, you know, I don't know what his South game is like, you know, yeah, you, you, you need a little Southern charm. You, you, you know? need to be able to say, you know, Mima, Grandma, Papa. I've like, seen that, lists. that stuff needs to resonate with you if you're going to try. But, to I, but I've seen lists that had like, Marcus Freeman on there and Deion Sanders. And the only reason I could see Marcus Freeman getting the job if he were to get it is just because he's probably a top three or four recruiter as a head coach in the country right now. 
Okay, um, you talk about these lists. This is this is one I sent Mike about a couple hours ago. Lane Kiffin. This is like five candidates to watch for at, for at Alabama. Right. Lane Kiffin, Dabo Sweeney, Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Norvell, Kalen DeBoer. Now I get it. You want to put something out. These are some of the heaviest hitters currently with their university. None of these guys are on the outskirts. Two of these guys finished the regular season undefeated. Right. And they're in, they're in great recruiting spots. I think Washington is probably one of the top North, you know, Pacific Northwest schools. So I believe the battle for recruits is probably between them and Oregon, maybe right. sprinkling to Oregon State. But for the most part, just kind of keeping that region, Hawaii, Northern California. I think Washington's got a shot. Like they literally just went 14 and one. I just don't understand where these lists come from. There's and why, Alabama, why Alabama would even, why anybody on Alabama staff would think that these five guys are viable candidates. Well, see, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so would Alabama hire someone that's not a head coach right now? Because I look at somebody like Glenn Schumann, who is the defensive coordinator at Georgia, as a candidate. But I don't know if he meets the criteria of we want to splash or we got to have this big name. Because Mike Norvell was on the list, and I just don't take that seriously. Um, it yeah. sounds like uh, he already said that he's not going to take it. Um, Helen DeBoer, like I said, that would just surprise me. Um, Sark. Would surprise me if he left Texas. He would because, like, I think he has something brewing there. Yeah, you know, Washington. The Washington coach doesn't have his quarterback coming back, right? So that could be enough. And then want, because they made it, I got a sick thought for you. I'm listening. Let's just say Sarkeesian does take the Alabama job. He brings uh, Arch Manning with him. Yes, and how you're sick is Peyton? <laughs> Peyton's going to cheer no matter what. You know, as a Tennessee guy, third Saturday in October, you know that would be sick. And Eli with the Ole Miss, that would just be Eli sick. went the Ole Miss. But either way, Texas is going to the SEC, so they're going to beat up on him anyway. Eventually, yeah, I think Texas would be better consistently in Ole Miss and uh, Tennessee. All right, so you ready for our random ESPN moment? Let's hear it. On a level from 1 to 10, how shocked were you when you heard the news that Nick Saban retired? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to front. I'm going to say 10. Yeah? I'm going to say 10 because normally you think a guy will retire. I wouldn't even call it abruptly, but in the context of how people normally retire and get out of right. it, it seemed abrupt. I was, I was then also was thinking that maybe he knew in that press conference when he said the statement, I wish I could have done a better job coaching them after, after the loss to Michigan. Bingo. Bingo. But he was like, I'm not going to say anything until after the national championship. Cause if he says it before, then it's like, Oh, he just wants a spotlight and takes it. Yeah, it would have been a LeBron head. moment. So I think that's evident that he does really care about what he's doing. Right. But just chronologically, 
he's seen the pages of many calendars turn and he's like what what else can you like he's like what else can i prove but i was i was legit shocked because his team started off poor they grinded back made it to the semifinals and they're realistic like i said that fourth and two if they cover that back out of the backfield mccarthy has to check it to somebody else you know you never know what happens now right. they're in a championship game with you know against washington and he hoists another one and he retires you know at the top of his game but i was definitely shocked i think i was at about a three because listening to him all season it reminded me of when i'm on deployments and you know when you're sitting up in the tent by yourself laying on that small ass bed yo i love my twin size bed and, and you're like Yo, all those times I'd be getting mad at her for asking all them questions. I just wish I could hear her voice right now. Like, he just had that reflective, like, that just kind of haze of, like, yeah, like, I wish we could have did this. And I think that – but it wasn't just after they lost to Michigan. Like, all season long, when you would talk – I mean, he was laughing. He was telling jokes, talking about the gnat on the pig's ass and all that kind of stuff. Like he like, was giving a lot of praise to other players, but I thought he was just kind of setting dominoes up to go get those guys for next year. Yeah, like he like Nick Saban is usually like a hard ass and you know, talking about the rat poison and you know, all this stuff, like just mean coming across like he's mean. And he just kind of sat back. It was like watching Kobe, like when Kobe got his uh show on Showtime, and you were yeah. like, Yo, Kobe's kind of smiling. Yeah, yeah and, and, but when you Smiley, saw him, a little weight grew his beard. Yeah, when you saw him on the court or heard people talk about him, it was always like, "Yo, he just sat in the corner and ain't talked to nobody." And it's another so, guy we'll talk about later, and Bill Belichick. I like I'll yeah. use the example we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it might be one of those things where it's like you remember when it's like when you decide you're going to retire. Yeah. Like, did you care about roll call? No. Did you care about QA fails or like, well, not your probably not your office, but like PMR not getting done? I didn't care about or nothing. guys they not were, logging. You're like, I don't, yo, like, I don't care. Like, I'm here. They were I'm literally here to like, tell, tell you stories about my deployments. I'm here to tell you about what I'm gonna do when I retire. I'm gonna tell you about that time when I was an airman. That's what I spent my time, my, my latter year or so in the Air Force when I was like in these in moments. It was all mentorship. I didn't care about whatever the process was. If you told me I had to go do some spot inspections, I didn't do a single one. Yeah, I ain't even fake it. I didn't even fake it. I even I just didn't even sign the paper. Like I, I would do two in one night. Yeah, I did. But a if sad. I didn't do one, I wouldn't even like fake it. I was like, they can see it. And like, how can we do it last night? I'm like. Because I'm retiring, no, I don't care. No, I did a SAV. And I did mentorship for two hours. I, I think I had uh, the, the the squadron that I SAVed had like three write-ups. And they were like, so what do we need to do? And I was like, yo, people get write-ups every day, D. You'd be all right. You'd be all right. You know what I'm saying? Just, just, just you know, fix it. Like, you all right? Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's what it was. Like, I felt like a father figure where instead of yelling at you, I was like, come here, son. Like, don't sign your name on nothing unless you're proud of it, you know, and, and stuff like that. 
You Let know, me impart this wisdom on you because I'm out of here in six months. Right. And so, so really I out. So like so when I was take listening these to notes, record me, do something. But like Nick was probably like, yo, I'm out. Yeah. Like Nick and was like, I knew it for a while. Nick was like, yo, Bill O'Brien told me I couldn't win with Jalen Milroe. I should have listened. You know, and then uh, you know, but then like you brought it up, Bill Belichick, the, the other, I guess, goat, you know, uh potentially. Definitely. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, potentially. Uh, <laughs> Ain't nobody said, doing what Tom. Nobody's I said doing what I what said. Bill Belichick did. It's not a. It's not a coach out there that could do what he did. Mainly two reasons. One, anyone who does that, and I know, like, I always bang on the quarterback MVP talk, but you got to need a quarterback that's upper echelon. But that guy might get paid more than like his. I want to say his value, but he might get overpaid and it's going to cost you p- places. I think Tom Brady, you know, rumor has it, spent a few contract negotiations getting t- team-friendly deals uh-huh. in an era where everyone wasn't getting crazy money. Like the rookies, Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, I think Matthew Stafford, Jamarcus Russell, those are the four names that popped in my head. It was like number one draft pick quarterback. They got like $50 million and it was crazy. But for the most part, it was pretty balanced and pretty level. So now quarterbacks are getting ridiculous money. Dak is probably going to get like $55 million next year. All right, you ready, per, 57 you ready per. for your first quiz of the day? Yeah, so. So Bill Belichick obviously has the record. 31 playoff wins. Who's second place? Chuck Noel with 14. No and no. Okay. Second place. You ready for this? The one and only head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that was easy guess. Andy Reid. Yeah, at 22. So by he has the record for playoff wins by nine. He's 15 wins away from the all-time winning record. You know, so the only marks, the only negative marks on his career are Spygate and which I think people essentially forgotten about because it's no different. I ain't forget about it. Rob Parker ain't forget about it. It's no like this. If you were recording like the walkthrough before the game, but everything else you can equate to just film. Like I could just watch regular film and steal your signs. If you were still in playbooks and filming people clandestinely from hotel lobbies, or, or if you like had that. a dude flying to the stadium, sitting in the crowd and filming you play against, <laughs> yeah, that meant that dude was at the Rose Bowl. I know, but but the, but the other mark on his career is the eighty-four and one hundred three record without Tom Brady. You know, um, I don't care about it that way, but I know some people do. You know, I understand how football works it's hard to win you know you can't just like any sport you know you look at like the nba right you look at greg popovich what did he have oh tim duncan phil jackson had who red Arback had who you know so when you look at the nfl or whatever bill walsh had who you need stars you got you bill, need bill stars. parcells had who you you need stars granted we'll look at the win-loss record of the stars but yeah, look at the – let's look at a, a coach like Pete Carroll. His win-loss record without Russell Wilson probably wasn't great. 
But you can tell, like, once he gets his gets his good quarterback who can make plays and decisions and keep his game plan moving, he'll do all right. Because we can see how quickly these coaches get fired. A lot of coaches finish their career with, you know, finish their time before they get fired with a sub-500 record. Right. We'll talk about another guy like I think Frank Wright's record sub-500, uh, Arthur Smith's sub-500, Josh McDaniels, I believe, is sub-500. So even to be anywhere near 500 and then subsequently also be that good in the playoffs because Tony Dungeon had Peyton Manning. Yeah. Still took Peyton Manning like five seasons to get his first playoff victory. Yeah. Yeah. Eli Manning was not that good of a regular season quarterback, had two great you know, postseason runs. Led the league in interceptions three times. And they end up with two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl MVPs. But to consistently be the best coach, we talk about Sean Payton all the time. You know, a target, a lot of my aggression. You know, we talk about those years he went five and eleven with Drew Brees. Drew Brees yeah. is an all-time great quarterback. I think his numbers statistically are right behind Tom Brady. John Gruden. John Gruden. John Gruden took Tony Dungy's team, won a Super Bowl, and then just rolled the rest of his time out strictly off of personality. Yeah. So for you know, you're gonna be. Most coaches are probably going to be around 500 or sub 500 with the team that they're coaching until they get the quarterback position figured out so or like from, the defensive group filled out. Yeah. So on a scale from one to 10, how shocked were you when you heard that Bill Belichick was not the Patriots coach anymore? Less shocked. I'm going to say, I'm going to say six. Five, because because realistically, based off of coaching performance since the 2020 season, he deserved scrutiny and the potential to have his job status altered. Not necessarily be fired, but hey, we're going to take the GM responsibility from you. We're going to take away, you get last say, except what coach, I can't can't remember what coach it was, but one of the stipulations in his contract was that on draft day, he was given like the final call. Everyone was allowed to make the input, but it was like written in his contract that he can say yay or nay to two options, whatever the case may be. I'm pretty sure Belichick had that same thing as a GM. Mm -hmm. So if it was a situation where he was going to have to either give up some of that stuff. I guess that's the other mark on his career is his GM hood. (laughs) Yeah, he, 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 he didn't. He didn't do great. But a lot of that stuff is is hindsight twenty twenty. Like we talk about, like seven guys went before DK Metcalf, and people could talk about the loud Like you know, Tom Brady went one ninety nine. Yes, that is a crazy story. But Brock Purdy. <laughs> Brock Purdy was you know Mister Irrelevant. So he traded a second of, round pick for Muhammad Sanu. Well, Atlanta's they're great negotiators, Charlie. They talk fast, <laughs> like Ti. You can't understand what they're talking about. You know, he he picked up Chad Jackson, and I know, like you said, it's hindsight, but just one of those things. He picked up Chad Jackson in the second round. Greg Jennings went sixteen picks later. Brandon Marshall went two rounds later. It's just wild. It's just wild. It's a crapshoot. So, so, but this is the problem, though. Like, it is a crapshoot. But the problem is, is when you have more of those than the other thing. Like, it is yeah. a crapshoot. But you got to win sometimes. 
But what he what he started doing essentially after that was, well, I don't pick cornerbacks well. I don't pick linebackers well. I'm going to just take your guy that's due a contract that I've seen you play for two years, three years, yeah, and I'm going to yeah. sign him, and I'm going to give him a three- or four-year deal because I know I watch Stephon Gilmore play defense. Yeah. I watch Darrell Revis. I watched uh, what's Browner. I watched um, – who else is on there? Another big corner. Cromartie wasn't a Patriot, I believe. But Browner, Browner was the reason that they beat Seattle because he was he was like, you know what? I got this big corner. He jammed um number 15 for the Seahawks. Jeremy something. He's the one that caught the touchdown in the in the Jermaine in the Curse. Jermaine Curse, yeah. Yeah. So Browner jammed him up to the point where Malcolm Butler was able to cut behind him and make the interception of the Russell Wilson pass. So just those kinds of things worked out. The only reason we evaluated the draft picks was because he wasn't also still winning games. Right. It's the whole buzzer beater conundrum. If you lose a game by one point and you took a last second shot, you'll evaluate the shot, the play call, who didn't set a hard enough screen, did you shoot the ball too early, you shoot it too late when you rushed, versus that person hitting the buzzer beater and everyone's it's elated. It's all good. Yeah. You're not, you're not, I don't think you're doing the same kind of deep dive because you're not looking at who missed the screen or who didn't do, hit the right pin down or who wasn't in position to box out for a potential rebound and put back because the ball went in. Right, right. right. I think that was the thing with the Patriots is like, he messed up some draft picks. They weren't all hits, but he ended up with Hall of Fame defensive lineman, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, Hall of Fame corners, Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm-hmm. Julian Edelman, not Hall of Fame, but you got a seven-round quarterback out of Kent State that you made into a Super Bowl MVP. One of the best receiver. postseason receivers. <laughs> One of the best postseason. So it's like, like I said, we'll all we can all talk about their record, but if you took every quarterback, every coach that coach. Before, got a dynamic quarterback, and then coach after. Most of them be pretty close. Maybe except for Andy Reid, but he had Donovan McNabb, mm-hmm. and then he had a great offensive system, so he can kind of fill. He had Alex Smith in there getting 10-11 wins back in the sixteen. And, and if you even want to bang on him, he still made the playoffs with McCorkle. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he beat like, the Bills with McCorkle throwing three passes. Yep, Monday Night Football in Buffalo. I, so yeah, I um. I was shocked as well, but not really. It was one of those things where I had already convinced myself that it was going to happen. But I was just, shocked to open my phone and see it. Right, right. It was just like, yeah. like, like it was said, that realization. It, it was warranted. It was warranted for him not to to have that employment anymore. But it just, it just was a shock because you you sent me like four things back to back to back over the last like twenty four hours. And each one, I was like, "What? What?" And I'm like, "I was drinking whiskey last night, so like, I'm eating." And I, like, <laughs> I think Pete so, Carroll yeah. was the one that surprised me. Um, that was the one. Um, I knew he was older, but from watching him, like Belichick, you can't tell. He just has that gruff, like always. Yeah, Pete Carroll's resting. older than Bill Belichick. No, I know, but but Belichick's yeah. not the resting bitch face. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, Pete Carroll is still energetic. I don't know what he got against that gum. 
You know what I'm saying? He be chewing that gum like it stole something. He be chewing like it's a fight. Yeah. And so so when I heard about him stepping down or whatever it happened, it was just like, this is a changing of the guard of the the NFL because that was before Belichick. It's like, yo, this is a changing of the guard, you know? So as I was looking at it, like, I was like, Dan Quinn, this might be your job. Mm, not in Seattle. I don't like that. I don't like that move. Because it's the same thing with Rabel in um, New, New England. England. But, hold on. I'm watching the Lakers game, and somebody just got banged on. Jackson Hayes got dunked on by, who's number two? Oh, I'm watching it down, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not as cool. That's as so cool, ain't it? Yeah, if you fall down, that was a foul. Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, like, so it, yeah. it probably wasn't the greatest dunk ever, like LeBron's though. Calm down, dunk of the century. <laughs> that's that's dunk, oh, dunk of the century. Dunk of the it century. Wasn't yeah. The... Uh, but yeah, so Pete Carroll, it did, it did catch me off guard. Mainly because they were a tiebreak away from being in the playoffs. Right. So, you know, and, and that's what I mean. So and with Gino missing some games too. If they would that's a terrible call. If they would have won the if they would have the tiebreaker would have worked out in their favor, they're in the playoffs. Do you fire him this week with the same team? The results are in. I mean, after they get it, blown out by Dallas, you probably, that's what I'm uh, saying. So it's yeah. like He's their play. Their, their record was good enough to make the playoffs. Just unfortunate tie breaks didn't work in their favor. So if he would have made the playoffs with that record, like if they would have end the playoffs this week, yeah, they wouldn't have fired him. Considering like all this stuff that happened this season, it's still the same. The only difference is the tie break worked in their favor Sunday night, and they would have been in the playoffs. I don't know if they fire him on Tuesday or Wednesday of the week mm-hmm. that they're playing. So it was like, I don't know how you get to the point where you're final. Unless you're just basically saying, we need to start over. We need somebody in the 41 to 45 range mm-hmm. that could potentially give us a five or six year contract and not be damn near 80 when the contract ends. You know what's crazy is that I didn't realize how Here's a word for you. I didn't realize how downtrodden of a franchise Seattle was, right? Like, uh, as I was looking at this. Now, I know that before he got there, they had made one previous Super Bowl that they got cheated out of against the Steelers. Was a dude named Craig from Notre Dame, the war number three? Uh, quarterback. Golden, oh, uh, you're talking about the quarterback. Uh, David like Craig? David. From the 80s? Yeah, he wore number three. Yeah, I think David Craig, there was... uh, I think Rick Meyer might have been the quarterback. Rick Meyer was a quarterback for them, yeah. Uh, They had Steve Largent and Brian Bosworth. Those were their... That was. I was thinking about Steve DeBerg. That's why I stopped for a second. I think Steve DeBerg, I think he had a nice little run maybe in Kansas City. Yeah, he was with Kansas City. Maybe out there, too. I feel like like he went to Seattle at one point. I don't know. But anyway, but what got me was, you know, they had made the Super Bowl with Mike Holmgren, got screwed by the Steelers. But in their franchise history, they have 17 playoff wins total. Pete Carroll has 10 of them. 
They have 13 10-win seasons in their franchise history. Pete Carroll has eight of them. So this is Belichick on a lesser scale, I would think, because Seattle became Pete Carroll. Like, they, they, like at one point, his personality was the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom and back them. Or did they go to three Super Bowls in a row? Or no, it was. I think it was two. Uh, two in a beat, row. They beat, they beat Denver, they beat lost Denver. to the Patriots. That's the game we watched over at, at Big Mike's house. Yeah, and then, and they, then lost. they lost. They lost to the Patriots. So I was here for that game. Right, right. I was one of Super Bowls. I don't no, know. No, I, I know what I'm thinking about. Something. I know what I'm thinking about. The uh, I was thinking about Aaron Rodgers because the onside kick. That, that was, was the second the... year when they lost to the Patriots. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That was that was that was tough to watch, and I was telling someone about this the other day. You know how sometimes we watch our stream, and you're a couple seconds ahead of me. Yeah, I was on the phone with my dad. He's watching on TV. I'm streaming it. The touchdown happens. He goes, "Oh, touchdown!" Before it's the, the ball got snapped on the what I was watching. <laughs> I think it might have been it might have been Cape. I think he just he was it just was a different signal. Yeah. But he said touchdown before the ball was snapped on my TV. And I was like, <laughs> so that that's one thing I remember about that. Um once again, I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give what's the ball name? P. Carroll the same like olive branch I gave to Bill. It takes a lot to coach NFL game where you don't have all the firepower you need all the levels for your system to work right but once he had it all it worked and I talked I talked about this before on the show when we talk about like guys like Philip Rivers or you know Jalen Hurts or Kansas you know Kansas City Josh Allen recently we talked about it with Peyton Manning we talked about every year you will not have a championship team I talked about it last year, the last episode with the basketball. I was like, you got five or six teams that really have a championship team built around them. So you're not going – I don't expect – I didn't expect the Houston Texans. Granted, they made the playoffs. But I don't have the same expectations for them as I did for the Dolphins with the speed they have on offense that I have for the Kansas City Chiefs with their pedigree. So you have an opportunity to just play – get better and continue to progress. And I think Pete Crow always did that. And then when he got Russell Wilson, okay, keep in mind they had Matt Flynn. They signed him to a big contract. Mm-hmm. They got Russell like late in the third round. Yeah. And then in training camp, they were like, well, I know we're paying this one guy, but this young guy that we're paying $700,000 a year to is outshining him through mini camp, training camp, and now preseason. So we're going to go with him. It's the same thing that Belichick did. I talked about I, I was thinking about this early because like when I before I knew we were gonna record, I think of conversation I'm gonna have with you. Think about if they called the tuck rule play a fumble and the Patriots season ends right there in the snow. Drew Bledsoe was the highest paid quarterback in the league. He goes into the following season as a starter. Mm-hmm. If Tom doesn't win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So now Drew Bledsoe's career didn't span many years after that. I think he ended up at Dallas for a while. And then he mm-hmm. got benched for Romo. 
and I was pretty much in his career. Now he's up in Washington making wine. But it's not a knock on Bledsoe. It's just a matter of making that, staying with Tom Brady, that rule being overturned, getting to the Super Bowl, beating the greatest show on turf. It gave him, what, 18 seasons with Tom Brady? And the time played like two or three more with Tampa Bay. So he got all for that one year where he could have got nothing. Like, think about it. If they call that a fumble, he doesn't get 18 Which years, it was. Um, per the rule, I still don't understand it. Like, I never really, like, looked into it, but I still don't really understand how it's not a fumble. But someone explained it, and they made the announcement, and then Tom Brady went on to win seven Super Bowls. But in a situation where if that play isn't called the way it is, he doesn't get the 18. If before even that, if Drew Bledsoe doesn't slow up on the sideline, if Drew Bledsoe just jogs out of bounds and doesn't get hit, Tom Brady never different. comes in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like I said, we we can look. We, that's a hypothetical, but if we just look look at that play that the 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 tuck rule play. If that's called a fumble. You don't get 18 years of time and Bill. You don't get six Super Bowls. You don't get at was that eight Super Bowl appearances? Eight? Yeah, not nine. 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 So he six went six and three. and three, and then he mm-hmm. went one and one and oh with Tampa Bay, talking about Tom Brady. So 14 AFC championship games. That's a lot. I think it takes, and it takes a lot to keep that kind of marriage together because everyone wants credit. Everyone wants a lot of them were at home too. A lot of them at home. A lot of first round buys. They dominated the division. We saw Miami have a lead in the division December 1st and then essentially get dominated and lose out on the division. Mm -hmm. You think, you you think New England, you think New England in 2012. Is letting Buffalo beat them twice in one year, let alone at home to win the division? There's no way. Nope. Nope. So. I told you Buffalo was coming. And then my guy, Mike Vrabel, you know what I mean? Out of Tennessee. You know, we were talking about that for a few months. Come on, Mike. Come you know, on, Mike. We Atlanta's about good. It. I heard it's dope. We were talking Big about airport. it for a few months, and we were wondering if Tennessee could or would actually do it. There were times where I knew it was going to happen. There were times that I didn't think, like, they ain't going to fire him. You know, all the way down to the wire, basically, you know, he knocked Jacksonville off the playoffs. And it was like, they got to keep him, right? And it was like, no, they don't. You would – we talk about this a lot. Like, you're a stat guy. I've kind of, like – I think I've kind of pegged myself the the relationship – guy of the show like you give the numbers i kind of give the, the breakdown love doctor <laughs> you know just like the, the the psychoanalytical guy you know this is what i do you know it's just it's a gift you know we don't we we all don't have it um but we <laughs> talked about we talked about how in tennessee for the last couple of years it didn't feel as if rabral was really consulted on decisions it felt a lot of times as if other people were making decisions and he was left, you know, to, to, you know, pick up on what was going on. I could tell by his tone, I could be wrong, but I'm just guessing. I don't think he was a big fan of drafting Malik Willis. Cause he probably was like, I don't need 
another project at quarterback. I have Tannehill. Tannehill's already kind of a roller coaster. Yeah. Why would you bring in another guy? Because he's a wide receiver. He Tannehill has some good. He has some good runs in him. Like I said, it's, it's it was four or five teams that have been like Minnesota have been like, please when that when that Achilles pop for Kirk Cousins, they would have gladly taken a stable Tannehill that would have given you seventeen touchdowns and nine picks over the last seven. Hey, they could have traded for him instead of Dobbs. But Tennessee wasn't going to give that up because Tennessee had Malik Willis and Will Levis. So it just was like one of those situations where I think he was probably good with Tannehill and didn't want the quarter. Because now if you are – if you don't give me a player that I don't want, and you're going to make me play him. That's why he only threw 16 passes that game with uh, Patrick Mahomes through 63. <laughs> and he pulled him out of a preseason game because he wouldn't throw the ball. He was like, I don't need you to run. I need you to throw the ball. You're a quarterback. It just, it just felt as if the control – not even the control, but just like the re- the respect for what he wanted his management to do for him. They they said they asked Will Levis, like you know, you know what you and Mike talk about, and he says something along the lines. I'm paraphrasing here. He said to come back to him in a couple of days, you know, when things kind of get figured out, and that was Sunday after the game, because he must have felt like this is it for me. You think that uh, when he was talking to the owner, and the owner told him he was that they were going to relieve him, you think he looked at the GM and said, "Did you tell him that I didn't want Will Levis? Did you tell him you bitch?" <laughs> Hit him with the Stephen A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the 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 I think the beauty part about uh, Mike Rayroll is that when you look at the market, he's hot. He's the prom date you want. I even yeah. heard him on the Alabama list. <laughs> I don't I don't know if he's a college guy, but as far as too. NFL, <laughs> as far as NFL, he can go he could go right in, here. You could put him in Seattle. Right he here. Just get a good offensive coordinator. You could put him in with the commanders. Easy, easy fill in. Because his Tennessee from Steve McNair. And then it was a huge gap. Yes. And then it was Tannehill and Vrabel. It was like Steve McNair, Eddie George. And then it was a huge gap from the Miracle at, at uh, the was Miracle it? Of Music City or Music Musical City Miracle. Music, Music City Miracle. Yeah. It wasn't a lot. You know, they then they had that Super Bowl run. That was pretty much that was that was their run for a while. They were just an entertaining team and a up and coming, you know. Man. Those games they used to play. Dixie, Mason, Mason Dixon, Lion City. Yeah. So the Ray Lewis and the Ed Reed games. So they were pretty much locked in to being being a pretty successful team. And it just right. they kept drafting quarterbacks. They kept they didn't pay their Henry. It just it just felt as if the new guy came in and wanted to imprint his own thing. And I give a quick military story. I had a guy we were both training, retrained as a tech, you know, I was retrained as a tech sergeant. And we were talking about changes and people coming in and kind of like just doing whatever. And he said he talked to this captain when he came in. And he's like, I wait 90 days. I wait 90 days to see how the processes are, what works, what doesn't. 
And then if something works after 90 days and I completely understand why you do it, we leave it. But if it doesn't work, I'll explain like, hey, over the last three months, I've watched this process and these are the flaws I have with it. I think the Titans GM did that. I think he gave it this year. I think he was like, let me see if this works. He ought to fire himself for trading AJ Brown. I don't think I don't think this guy. No, this guy's oh, no, 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 no. This trading. is a new guy. This is this a new is guy. new guy. This is the guy they got from San Francisco. Yeah, That's the what I'm saying. They so they I fired the guy that got rid of AJ. They fired Brown, the guy. They should have. The, the AJ <laughs> Brown trade would have not been that bad because it gave them two first round picks. They just whiffed on them. Right. Because if you're Philly, it's like, oh, we just traded AJ Brown for a first round pick. That's the kind of talent you want to get out of the first round anyway. So right. if I can trade yeah. you this first round pick for a guy, I know that's an optimal talent. Like, for instance, if you were – who's probably hot right now? Okay, we'll use Justin Fields as an example before we you know, go too far. If you are a team like, you know, you're drafting 25, 24, right. 25, and straight up you can just trade your first round pick – and maybe some compensatory picks for Justin Fields. Essentially, you look at it like I traded a first-round pick for a first-round quarterback who just wasn't – like the team just wasn't happy with them because they got another – they have another shiny penny coming in. I think that's the deal that he got in Tennessee with that trade. A.J. Brown's done a couple of interviews. He's the one in the Raw room essentially saying he wanted to stay in right. Tennessee because he has a daughter and he wanted to be close. And the conversations that he was having was making him think it was going to get done, but also at the same time thinking, like, it might not get done. You know, like that that uneasy feeling. Yeah. And it didn't work out. But I, I praise the GM. You know, I applaud him for giving it a year. But Mike Vrabel, if I'm the Chargers, I'm calling. I want to talk. I want. I'm talking to his agent to find out when I can speak to Mike. If I'm Washington, I'm calling. If I'm Atlanta, I'm calling. Uh, well, you, might, you might have to wait, though. All you got to do is call. No, you might have to wait, though. For who? To see what happens with Sean McDermott or Mike McCarthy. I am not going to Dallas <laughs> if I'm Vrabel and I'm not going to Buffalo. <laughs> I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go to Buffalo if they lose because your quarterback is already eating two sixty five. Yeah, he has two sixty five guarantee over the next. You know, I think he's his first year of extension, so you can't even put your stamp on the team because you're kind of handicapped with the quarterback taking up forty percent of your cap. Herbert got some money. I don't think it kicked in yet though. You know how they those still, extensions work. But they, they still in cap trouble because I'm thinking that they're going to have to cut. You can move uh, Rosa. Keenan you can Allen move Mac. Mac. Yeah. Yeah, you can move them and make some pieces before your quarterback 40% kicks in. Because if you if you if I can move Khalil Mack and I say I draft a kid in the third, second, third round, that turns out to be a nine-sack guy. I move Bosa in a trade, maybe get a couple of thirds, a second, whatever the case may be, and I get some more pieces there. You build, and then I think next year Herber's contract kicks in. Well, I got some young guys that are out here getting 
you know, they're doing their thing. I'm getting nine sacks out of them. I'm getting pass deflections. Like what Seattle ended up with ultimately with these two young corners, the rookie corner. I think he did he lead the league last year in interceptions. I don't know if he led the league, but he was high. He was like he was five or there. six. Yeah, he, was yeah, he was up there. Yeah. And it was like, you know, so you get you get something like that flowing, and you're in a place that's warm. So it won't be physically frustrating. You know, sometimes you remember those nights at Hill when it's just like so cold. You don't even I remember really I remember there was always one day every year in the winter where the wind would just blow. Blow like, through the valley and rip people's shingles yeah, and stuff off. Like the, the FedEx trucks were flipped over and the trash Yo, cans were flying everywhere. One time I rake leaves, right, on like a Tuesday night. Rake Tuesday, Wednesday night. Rake leaves. And the sun went down. I'm like, all right, I did it after work. I'm like, I'll bag these up tomorrow. Right. The wind came through the next day. My yard was clear. Every leaf that I had raked up was down the street. My yard was yeah. immaculate because of the wind when it went through the valley. When it came yeah. out, like I, Ogden came. But it was always just for like one day. It was always one day. My trash can was across the street in my neighbor's driveway, though. Yeah. It was like three houses down in their driveway. I had to walk down and bring it back. But that's how hard the wind was born. But when you're in L.A., you're probably not going to get that. You're probably going to have good weather. You're probably going to be able to land uh, some good free agents because they're gonna, it's going to be space. It's going to be space and opportunity in L.A. I'm not going to New England. I'm not touching New England at all because the expectation will be – because I've heard – I heard this yesterday a couple of times. I believe it was on um, First Things First, and they were talking about coaching trees. The Shanahan coaching tree, the Andy Reid coaching tree, the Dundee coaching tree. And they were talking about why it was a good reason. Oh, good pass, LeBron. Why it was a good reason for Rabel to go because he's off for of the Belichick tree. And someone was like, no, 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 no. He played for Belichick. He played for Belichick. He's not a coach of the tree. And then somebody else said it again, and they, they made the same mistake saying tree. And the, the, oh. the guy, I think it was like, had to correct them again. They were like, no, 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 no. He's not off the coaching tree. Speaking of with which, the fact you don't want to follow the legend, you don't want to be the guy that follows the legend. You want to be the guy who followed the legend. You want to be that guy. Speaking of which, <clears throat> according to Styrofoam Ralph of the Hot Box, you know I had Straight a up. conversation with them today. Shout out to those guys: El Residente, Dallas, Mike, Roll, Jay Lethal. You know, um, according to him, because you know he's. Patriot fan extraordinaire. He's been hearing that the answer at head coach might be Mayo. That was on the staff. Uh-huh. Because you can fire him easily. You can get this guy. It's like playing chess. I'm not calling this guy a pawn, but you put someone out there with no head coaching experience. And then he goes one and a half, two years. And you accumulate a couple more draft picks because you're not that good of a team. And I'm not saying he can't coach. I just, it just, it just isn't likely. Yeah. If you're going to keep a guy that learned under your previous guy's tutelage, you're going to get the same result. Like if I taught my if my son was sitting here taking notes on this podcast, and then I said I don't want to do it anymore, and he sat down, and then your son sat down because he learned it from imitate you. us. 
it'll sound a lot like the way we do it. They might try to do some different things, but essentially, like what you learned, what you absorbed for a year or two sitting here watching us do this, it's going to look and sound pretty much the same, with maybe a little nuance here, a little minutiae here and there. But for the most part, right. it's going to sound exactly the same. Right. So, Gerard Mayo, I know one of Bill Belichick's thing was big linebackers. He wanted big, heavy-hitting linebackers. He didn't really care about the the hybrid guys, like the guys that Dallas has, the guys that uh, San Francisco has, the guys that Cleveland have, where you have these guys who could have been safeties, 15 more pounds, you make them hybrid linebackers. A guy like Alameda Aluakon, Foyer Aluakon, you know, out of – he was in Atlanta Knights in Jacksonville. He wears 23, so he looks like a safety. But he's a linebacker, but he flows side to side with ease. New England linebackers were just big bodies, Ravel included. So it was a lot of guys like that. Bruski. Bruski wasn't covering anybody in space. Yeah. Ravel wasn't covering tight ends on seam routes. <laughs> you know, like that's just not what they did. So if I were to bring these this kind of coach in, he's gonna essentially potentially, you know, have the same kind of philosophy. I, I don't know if Bill retires, though. I don't know if he... Just... Nah, I think he's too close to the wins record. But that's... A, is that wins record? That's two more years. And say, okay, say he, say he gets it. He gets 15 wins, right? Right. How many games there? It'll be 34 games. So going 15 and 19 over the next two years is, like, sufficient to, like, be like, hey, I have the best record. But you go, you're sub 500. For yeah, because you don't. In a row. Yeah, because I mean, he's not sitting there saying to himself, I'm going to go 15 and 19. You know what I mean? He's sitting there saying, fresh start, build this culture. And we go seven and 10 this year. Next year, we're 10 wins. That's the way these people think. Yeah, but even with that, it's like, is that worth it? Is that, is it worth is it worth uh what are we looking at? March the season. So the season ends for most teams sometime in January. If you don't take a break, which I imagine he doesn't, now you you're ramping it up in March when the, the new the new year starts for the league. Right. The draft is April, May. April 25th. Rookie camp, mini camp, preseason, regular season. Is it is are those 20 months that you have to do over the over the over the 24 month window? Is that worth it just to say I got more wins than Don Shula? Who no one knows. It's not a number. It's not like a it's not like 714 with Babe Ruth. I mean, so that that the number it doesn't like resonate in the the halls. Of, I think it just depends. Like if he still uh, likes NFL to teach, lore, if he still likes to teach, if he still likes to coach defense, then yeah. I don't. Know, I just. I don't. Know, I don't know. Like I said, I talked. I talked to you earlier about him being super excited about watching Ed Reed, and he was on that. I think it was like NFL 100 or NFL all time. One of like some kind of NFL network special where it was him, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, one of the moderators from NFL network, another person sitting at, they're sitting like a, like a big table. Like it was like illuminated table. They're just having a conversation. 
and he talked about Ed Reed and his excitement talking about how Ed Reed made like the greatest plays ever seen a free safety make. But really all he did was like he just fooled Peyton Manning, but he's supposed to like break to the middle of the field to cover. That's the hard to do. And then he just spun around back to the quarterback, got the interception. He's like still one of the greatest plays I've ever seen a free safety make. I'm sorry, that's y'all. These allegations. Yeah, you can fight through it. We're good. You tough. You've been to war. Um, that's Bill Belichick's talking about Ed Reed. So maybe he gets into that space to where he just talks football. He does the whole John Gruden thing. And just, you know, has maybe I don't know if he has a personality to have like the QB room and with the whiteboard like John Gruden does, you know, Spider Z, XY, Banana, whatever that play's called. And he kept oh, he could everybody teach us about he could teach us the intricacies of like Cover four quarters, cover, four cover three, yeah. cover two. This is why this doesn't work. I think it'd be dope, but if if that's enough, I think that'd be dope. But yeah, I know they're talking about Bill to Atlanta. I saw that a couple of times. Like, yeah, Atlanta wants works. him really bad, apparently. You know, what I'm saying, hey, if you know he's what? got four or five years of coaching in him, then I'll take it. But if he yeah, that's life though, right? That's life though, right? You fall in love with your abuser. It was one game. <laughs> it wasn't like Peyton. It Peyton wasn't was one beat. game. It was a Super Bowl. It was Matt, one game. Matt Ryan lost three games that day. Well, he still won an MVP. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's he what he the wanted. same number of MVPs. I'm sure that's what he wanted. Check. I'm sure that's what he wanted. But, hey, like, while, while we're talking about all this football, we might as well get into these playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we're going to take it from the top. Houston, hosting Cleveland. Go. Houston. I got Houston. I think the the coach, rookie quarterback, rookie coach combo. Um, you're gonna hear me talk a lot about like the mentality and like this, the, the 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 mental aspect of it and teams like being on the same page. I just believe that. Going into the fourth quarter down 17-10 or 14-10 and the defensive struggle, six minutes left, Houston gets the ball. I think C.J. Stroud can look in the eyes of the men in the huddle and they'll look at him and be like, yo, this guy's going to drive us 80 yards. And they'll, be- I think they'll believe it and you'll see it. And you'll see the plays. You'll see the the third and eight conversions. You'll, you'll see the things you need to see out of them because they don't know any better. We we had them going three and fourteen, four and, and and thirteen. They went ten and seven, won a division with a rookie coach, a rookie quarterback that went second to a guy. And there was people saying that CJ Stroud was going to go twelfth. His his specialty, D'Amico Ryan's specialty, wasn't even that great. He just they just played. They I think they just believe. CJ's going to give me this ball if I get open, if I'm a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And the defense is like, if we hold him to a field goal, CJ's going to get us a touchdown and we're going to win. You ready for your 2-5 moment? Oh, you got one. Come on, hit me with it. I got a bunch of them, as you can see right here. A Rapid fire, let's go. All right, so what was my criticism of one Dak Prescott this season? He didn't win against teams that winning records. No. Remember his splits? How he played. Oh, home on the road. Yeah, there you go. 
So this was as of two weeks ago. This is before uh, the game where the starter sat. I didn't want to include those stats in this. Cleveland at home gives up 13.1 points per game. On the road, they give up 30.7. What? At home, they get Hold three on. points. Wait, stop, stop. Hold on. You can't hit me with that and just kind of skip over it. You told me rapid fire. They give give up 13 points at home and 30 on the road? Yes. At at home, they average 3.6 sacks a game. On the road, 1.8, so half. Rushing or passing yards at home, they give up 135.5 passing yards. On the road, 236.2. The completion percentage is six points higher on the road when when they're on the road. Uh, Rushing yards at home, they give up 87.4. Away, 122. Give me the Texans. But that's not the only reason I'm taking. (laughs) So you said all that to say I'm taking Cleveland on the road. No, I'm taking Texas. I'm taking the Texans. Uh, I would have logged off even to pick Cleveland after you ran you off know, those stats. Because, but that's not even the reason I'm going to pick Cleveland. I mean, I'm going to pick Houston. I'm going to pick Houston because their quarterback doesn't give the ball away. So, C.J. Stroud, five interceptions over 15 games. Joe Flacco, eight interceptions over how many games he played. I think he played six. And those five interceptions for C.J., he had – one, then he had a game where he got his second one, and then he had a game where he had three. Yeah, and he hadn't had any since. So the Browns are three and five on the road this season, as you could imagine with some of those stats that I ran down. That Correct. does include the the game against Cincinnati last week. That does include a win at Baltimore. You know, um, I just think that. If this was Joe Flacco, say, six years ago, yeah, I would probably pick Cleveland because I saw the stat today going around that he's never lost a wild card game. You know, but uh, first time for everything. Yeah, since, what, 2016? Yeah, first time for everything. You know, uh, so then we take it up to Orchard Park. Lake Erie going crazy. They talking about. 25 to 30 mile an hour winds could get up to 50 at parts of the game, you know, so it's going to be a little ugly. So uh, I know you'd like to do this thing where you're like, I don't know why I pick against Mike Tomlin. So are you picking right. against Mike Tomlin right now? Uh, Yeah, I, uh, unfortunately. Oh, unfortunately, I, I mean. JJ Watt's not playing, or T- excuse me, TJ Watt's not playing. <laughs> JJ Watt's yeah, not right. playing. You're right. You're right. JJ Watt's He's going to be in the studio. <laughs> but Jay, you know, TJ's not playing. We talked about their record. They're like one in 10 when he doesn't yep. play. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Allen hasn't been playing great recently. Like, I think his completion percentage dropped like five to seven percent. Touchdown interception ratio about, is about the same. But they're at home. The weather's crazy, and I'm I'm not a believer in Pittsburgh's ability to create and sustain long drives or create big plays for short short drives, big touchdown plays. I don't I don't see the 
I know Deontay Johnson had a good one last week. He took a slant, took it to the house or recently. But Mason Rudolph's numbers last week, I believe it was something like 12 for 14 for 123 yards. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know where you generate because to beat Buffalo, Buffalo got the punt return against Miami. That was the big play. Josh Allen down the sideline to Stephon Diggs throwing off his back foot. Granted, he threw an interception off his back foot earlier, but then he came right back and threw the, threw the bomb to Stephon Diggs off his back foot, even though he missed him earlier. I just think Buffalo is going to be in a position to create those opportunities more consistently throughout the four quarters where I'm not sure Pittsburgh will ever – I don't think Pittsburgh is going to have a single play that looks like – it's going to be a big play, like a, a deep shot, mm-hmm. a deep post route. I just don't see it. I just don't see Rudolph hitting the play action, hitting that back foot, mm-hmm. and driving the ball downfield, whereas I think Buffalo will make three of those kind of throws or plays per quarter. I think they'll right. that he will try to make the 40-yard play happen, even to the detriment of the team, but – if Pittsburgh gets the ball back, I don't believe they're gonna they're gonna threaten Buffalo the other way. So, so did, did you hear what song uh, got named the best beat ever? Black and Yellow by Wiz no, Khalifa. No, no. I just figured we're, we're talking about Pittsburgh. No, no, I'm setting something up here. I'm setting something up here. The best. Yeah, so beat so ever. it was, yeah, it was uh, Shook Ones. You know, I was was that today. Yeah, it was chosen as the best beat ever. So, Sean McDermott, take your time and win this game. Think it through because the next show we might do might be about you. About you. You know what I'm saying? So, if Sean McDermott doesn't win this game. (laughs) That was so good. I'm sorry I'm laughing and throwing it off, but that was good. I was trying to set it up. I was trying to set it up. I listened to Shook Ones like – before I took my shot, before we started recording, like that was, yeah. I, I went, I put in '90s hip hop in my Apple Music, and that was the first song. So that's, it's yeah. funny that you, it, you went it to just that. hit that's, me. That's like crazy. I didn't even have that in my notes. Like it literally just happened just now. But uh, you know, but but this is the thing: you lose this game after all the momentum that you built to close out the season. Then what's different about Buffalo than has been different than the last two years? when you were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders, when you were like the only team that should beat Buffalo at this point in the AFC is Baltimore. You beat Miami twice already. Hold up. Let me do this. Let me, let me do this. You, 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 you you beat Miami twice. You want an arrowhead already. So if you play Kansas city again, they're coming to your place. You know, um, Houston's got a rookie quarterback. Cleveland can't play on the road. Apparently. Correct. You know, so that leaves Baltimore as the only team that you should feel we're up against it, and it's at Baltimore. So you, so you should feel. I'm not talking about us. I'm just talking about as a Buffalo Bill. You should feel that Baltimore. You remember the locker room. You should look around. Like the only people we have to focus worry about is Baltimore because we haven't seen them yet. Yes, we got to worry about us because our quarterback keep doing dumb shit. But besides that. We just got to look at Baltimore, and this is the thing, right? Now, with that being said, uh, we don't know if Najee Harris is going to play or not. I saw he wasn't practicing. 
and you shoot it, him up. You can't. And you if for the Browns, what? And if for the Browns, we don't know if uh, Garrett is going to play, and you know uh, Amari Cooper still dealing with the heel. But anyway, um, I don't think Pittsburgh runs the belt runs the ball well enough to do what they need to do in this game with the weather. Like I don't think that Buffalo is going to look at Pittsburgh averaging five yards of carry or something like that. You know, um, Mason Rudolph. Buffalo has zero reason to not have eight dudes in the box. Mason Rudolph all day looked like trash last week. Like he looked like Kitty Pickett last week. You know, when we were watching the game against Baltimore. Because all three of them are the same. Mason Rudolph, Mitch Trubisky, and Kenny Pickett, all the same quarterback. They're just all the same. Trubisky just, just runs a little bit more. You know, and but even that, that, he doesn't but run because he tries to throw it, and he just, he's like, his throws make no sense. Like, the game against but, the Wheaton, and I was like, this dude is not an NFL quarterback. But and it's, it was but it's very, on my mind that he was. But it's very telling that, Kenny Pickett's been healthy for two or three weeks now, and he's not back in the lineup. Oh, they told so, him. So, so when, uh, so according Could to Dallas Tomlin's last game, according yeah, according to Dallas Mike on the hot box, he brought that up today because he feels that Mike Tomlin has been lucky in winning fluke games and all this kind of stuff like that. You know, he they sounded like he was having a two-five moment, but uh, but but yeah, um, I think Buffalo is just the better team. Their defense struggled a little bit after the injuries first started happening, but they still finished top 10 in the league. So, you know, it's going to be a tall task to walk up into Orchard Park and win because what? Because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. So then, you know, shout out to El Residente. Hashtag boycott Peacock. You know what I don't know why it's not on TV. Get this football game from behind the paywall. But luckily, since I watched the WWE Network, I got Peacock. But guess what? I'm still not going to watch it on Peacock because hashtag boycott, boycott Peacock. So, Mr. Logical. Just to spite them. The Miami Dolphins coming in off of this two-game losing streak. Going into Arrowhead where there's no receiver to be seen. Who wins? All right, uh, shout out to Chris, Miami fan, avid watcher of the show, probably one of our biggest fans. Like, yes, sir, because you know, he chimed, he hits me up after the video is posted. He'll hit me up with a question. I think about like, man, you watch that far into the show because I get it. it's a long show. Like, we're at an hour and twenty two minutes now, and I get this a long time, and, and we appreciate everybody for watching. Well, luckily, but, I put the timestamps in there. You know what I mean? So yeah. they know when to go to it. So <laughs> he asked me because you re- recall. After I don't know if there's a Miami game or if it was a Raider, I think it was the Raiders game, and I was like definitive, like I don't think Kansas City wins. I think they lose their first playoff game, right? And I was going to sway from that. I remember the conversation we had the other day talking about the speed and Tua not being able to throw in the wind. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to to, to that take that I had because I haven't Kansas City hasn't done anything that says. uh we're back. We're back. But <laughs> we made any adjustments. Ever since Kadarius Tony was offside and Travis Kelsey threw in the play, you know, essentially the play of the century that didn't get, you know, that got called back because of all sides, which I don't know why they didn't just 
blow it dead when the offensive players off sides. It's like, right, right. Why are you giving the defense a chance to make a play? But I see the here, no there. Um, I haven't seen much of him. I watched a few of the Chiefs games after that. I don't recall seeing him anywhere. Chris Bussard said on first things first, he was like, he's like, I think they're going to win the AFC West no matter what. He was like, his plan would have been like, I'm going to put Sky Moore and Tony on the field as much as possible and give them every opportunity to build their confidence up. In but there's game. only one problem now. Sky Moore is on injured reserve. Well, they didn't use him for weeks. He must have got hurt in the shower. 24 <laughs> wasn't on the floor. Like, I wasn't on the field at all. So maybe he was nursing something, but they didn't do it. They didn't do what Chris Bouchard said. Like, I don't remember seeing Kadarius Tony on the field. So, like I said, they, they didn't do anything different. Kelsey was 16 yards away from an eight straight thousand yard season. I think if they're rolling, if they're rolling and they're clicking, they they get him some of those touch passes that you like Tyreek Hill and Antonio Brown got from Tom Brady when he needed to hit that five hundred thousand dollar bonus. Right. Where you just like tap it forward. It's basically a run play, but it's called a pass because you're throwing it forward. Right. I think if they're rolling, they put Kelsey in for four or five of those kind of plays and get him that sixteen yards, get him the eight straight thousand yard seasons. But the fact that they were so discombobulated offensively, they were like, you know what? We can't even risk him not being available. Do the Lakers practice? Like these they dudes do. do not shoot at all. Like they just uh, can't shoot. They couldn't know. shoot for three years. They haven't been like Rob Palinka is a uh what's the boy name? Um, what's what's the phrase? A charlatan's uh silly. You know, snake oil. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I was looking at this game, uh, Miami and Kansas City, and I have now learned that it's being predicted to be the third coldest game in NFL history. Negative 30 wind chill. Yeah, you got the ice bowl, you got the freezer bowl, and I don't know what they're going to call this one. You know what I'm saying? Meet the meat locker. You know what I'm I imagine that now with the technology, is probably heaters under the field. I know it's natural grass, but I can imagine because I don't think they use that stadium for anything else. I imagine that they if if the field is heated, right, then like my Miami pick is is locked in because like I'm picking Miami. But if the field's heated, then yeah, like I feel I feel odd picking against the Chiefs and Mahomes and Andy Reid. I just don't think they got to like. It's like I like Deontay Wilder, but I got to be honest. He doesn't throw many three or four punch combinations. He doesn't have a big lower lower half that generates power when he's tired. It's just all shoulder, you know. So right. I have to, you have to you have to look at it like yo, you don't have all the tools you need to be dominant at the level that you're currently playing. The Chiefs don't they don't have all the pieces in place that they need to be good in January. Well, you know, I thought about this. Because all I've been hearing all week is about how Miami's going to get plowed, so to speak, you know, and buried at Arrowhead, and how Miami has lost their last 10 games under 40 degrees, even though I don't know how many of these players actually played in those games. Not many. But what I do know. The last few years. But what I do know is that A-Chan 
is averaging 7.8 yards a carry. He's first in the league in 40-yard runs. He's fourth in the league in 20-yard runs, and I'm sure he missed four or five games. You know, Mostert should be back. I don't know how effective he'll be, but you're talking about the league leader in rushing touchdowns. You know, Waddle hopefully is back as well. So when I first looked at this game, the first thing I said was Arrowhead. No way, no how. No then I was like, but they went four and four at home. And everybody's banging on the Philadelphia Eagles for starting 10 and one, finishing one and five. Well, Kansas City started six and one and finished five and five down the stretch. Yeah, you but know? people have been highlighting how poorly they looked. Like people are kind of like glazed been over that. the Eagle. Yeah, they, they have. All that. They even say I'm probably all that. the only person that said they're going to lose their first playoff game. You know, uh, they uh, Kansas City is second in scoring defense and against the pass. But if it's going to be negative 30, how much passing you going to do? You know, saying I don't know. You know, uh, obviously Miami defensively has all the injuries. You know, they went out and got Chris Houston and Bruce Irvin. You know, I don't know if they signed them. I know they brought them in for workouts and all that stuff. I think they signed them though. You know, so I guess, the guys in January. It has to be a rule against that. But I yeah. guess if you're Miami, your thought is Kansas City. Why don't you throw the ball anyway so we can drop eight into coverage? You know, and because one of these two teams can run the football, that team is Miami. I think Miami can rush for all. I think Miami can rush for all day long, and occasionally blitz. And I agree. You know, and Kansas City is also 17th against the run, and in their last three games, they've given up 126.3 rushing yards a game. So, I hate to keep doing this, but I'm going to agree with Mister Logical. I'm taking the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, it's a wise thing to do sometimes. And guess what's going to happen, Chris? You're going to go to Buffalo next week. And beat Buffalo. I don't know what's going on. We'll see what happens. They ain't going to beat no damn Buffalo. And then we're going to go to <laughs> we're going to go down to Arlington. Back down to Arlington. The uh, and it, I thought it was weird, too. They got all the AFC games on Saturday. And then the NFC games are Sunday and Monday. That's just weird, but, you know. That's because the NFL, I remember a line from Concussion, like I remember watching the previews. Tell the truth. Uh, and he said, you want to take on the NFL, they own a day of the week that used to belong to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> They're just a powerful structure. Like December, the, the Christmas, the Christmas, New Year's, like, Time frame the NFL just monopolized it to the max. Well, you used to have like and the streaming services and everything. They just they've just they've taken over. And on top of that, I think they're gonna give us good products still. Well, I think Dallas and Green Bay like is gonna your, be a good product. You used to have your like early AFC game, your NFC game, like it was alternating. Like I don't remember it being all one conference on one day in that way, but you know, yeah, I remember it being so Super Bowl is six games. I remember it being two AFC games, the NFC game on one day, and then two NFC and one AFC game the next day. 
maybe there's some science to it. Maybe there's some marketing to it. You know, Kevin Durant know. out here dunking on AD. But what I, I do know, him. but what I do know is that Aaron Jones averages six yards a carry against the Cowboys. Green Bay has, hamstring hold up. <laughs> yes, that's the question. Green Bay has won nine out of their last ten against Dallas. I saw that stat in the group today. That, yeah. that shocked me. A few what of those were back on the team. What shocked me was this is their first time playing. Out of all the history of the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys, this is their first matchup in the wild card round. They usually meet a little bit later than that. <laughs> They've been historically really good teams. Yeah. So I think so the last Gal- Cowboys Green Bay game that I can recall is the one that Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers rolling Mason left. Crossbar. Mason Crossbar. Mason Crossbar, the, the pass he threw to Jared Cook. Yeah. Is John Wall in the audience? <laughs> John Wall not in the league? He's in an audience watching Laker game. I know he got um, traded. I thought he got traded back to Houston at one point, but yeah, I don't think he's so. sitting. He's sitting on like on the left side of the. Look at me, messing up. It looked like he was sitting on the left side of the hoop, being a damn groupie. Um, but that was the year that Green Bay went down to Atlanta, and Atlanta beat them and ended up in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, that uh, that one in nine, one in one, one. Win in the last ten games against Green Bay for Dallas just seems odd because Dallas has been a good team for sixteen years. Some teams just Pretty got much, like from T from To and To and Bledsoe and To and Romo and Miles Austin. Like they just they've never had a bad team. I don't I don't recall. I know they were going eight and eight with Jason Garrett a lot. But I just don't recall them being in a situation where they went four and twelve one year. I don't know what that, that one with Romo. Maybe I think it was Wesley Carter. No, I think it was Wesse the Carter year that might have been the year that got hurt. Like when he uh nah, I don't think I still think they did pretty well. Was it was it when he broke his leg? Not not last year when he got hurt, but there was another year, Two, remember couple years ago before yeah. Yeah, I think they went four and twelve that year. Okay. But that that's what I year. started that quarterback. Be the year they got uh Micah Parsons. They were in the top 10. Yeah. So there you go. Historical facts on sports reports is ordered. But Jordan Love comes into this game with 32 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. You know, Dallas, the only, I repeat, the only undefeated NFL team at home. You know, besides Seattle and Detroit, they beat everybody by double digits. So can the Packers keep this close? I think it'll be a good game. Um, we were talking about Jordan Love probably November, saying, like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. And then all of a sudden he finishes a year, top three in total QB, like touchdown passes. And the game I watched against Kansas City, I was like, okay, he gets it. He gets it. He, he 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 gets it. Like I said, I, I will bring this up every week because I'm a Falcons fan. It was a couple of throws I watched him make that Ritter wouldn't even try. That were right. complete. Right. It was one pass that was. It was fourth. I think they went from like fourth and two, fourth and one, and 
Rashad Dobbs was running up the seam and he threw like a Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers fade away shot throw up the seam. And he caught it in between like three defenders converging on him. Like he was falling to the ground. He caught it as they were all like getting there. So he caught it. He was on the ground. But that kept the drive going. And ultimately, like, you know, Green Bay won that game. So I think his confidence just went up every single week, which you love to see. I just think Dallas at home is so tough. And what they do well travels, what they do well, the speed they play with on that turf between Michael Parsons, uh, Russell, Bland, Gilmore. And then you go offensive side with Dak. Dak playing MVP level. Yes, I think he would get more consideration. I'm trying to see what happened to D'Lo. Ooh. Something on the lower leg. Um, ooh. Ooh, that looks like a no contact. That's not good. Uh, so what, what they do offensively with Pollard, um, C.D. Lamb, who basically came out and said, hey, Tyreek, I'm the best wide receiver in the league now. Sit down and hold that real quick. Like I said, Dak playing an MVP level. His record against teams with five oh, that was above 500 that middle part of the season because that was a discussion because the MVP, no one really set themselves apart. So they were using a lot of, like not necessarily narrative, but they were saying, you know what, you didn't do this, you got to drop out. Josh Allen fell, like I said, I was trying to advocate for him a few weeks back, right. but because he had lost – you know, he was the reason his team lost a few games, which is something that I had personally said myself. You know, but it says the facts change, so does my opinion. I think it's like Dak not playing well against teams on the road. Same thing happened to Tua. Teams above 500 really, you know, dropped him back. But if you look at his numbers, if you look at the impact, if you look at the fact that he's 8-0 at home, that shows you at least that's a level of consistency and focus that you have to have to be an MVP. Like you're holding home court. Number two seed. Um, I think Green Bay keep it close. I think it'll be a good game. I'm thinking like a 27, 24, 20, like 27, 23, 28, Ooh, 23, something place. like that. Yeah, like like a possession because I don't think Green Bay is lacking anywhere. Did you see the spread? Is, is the spread nine and a half? No, no, no. Seven yeah, and a half. half. Seven and a half, yeah. So – like I said, I don't. So I don't. You think, got Green Bay covering that, then. I got Green Bay covering because I think they're they're so young that when all else fails, they might just be able to just make a couple plays off of just youth, right? Just somebody getting open because Jordan Love in his mid twenties rolls out in one of these young. Six foot five, speed six foot three, six foot four, speedy wide receivers just gets open. Right, I can see you that. know, I can see that. Yeah, I got it a little bit bigger, like thirty one seventeen, but you know, we'll see. I uh, just, I don't, I haven't seen like, I don't know when the last time we saw Dallas in the playoff as the favorite. Well, I don't know, and the they perform to that level because I, I believe, don't know. The- yeah, I just, don't, I don't think, I don't, I just don't believe that. I think they'll play well. I just I know the pressure is on them because right. that's the problem. This is the third year in a row that they won 12 games. 
and it would be like the first time a team wins three goes three years in a row in the 12 games and not play in their conference championship. Well, like this is the first year that Dallas has made the playoffs that I've had expectations for them. Because before the season, I picked them to go to the NFC Championship game. Um, I'm still going to stick with that. But, you know, this is the first time I felt that way. You know, and I'll, you know. So then, Ford Field, which has never hosted a playoff game before, because the last time the Lions had a home playoff game in 1993, it was still the Pontiac Silverdome. Shout out Barry Sanders. You know, shout out Wayne Fonts. You know what I'm saying? the original black coach. Yeah. In the art shell. <laughs> Rams and Lions. The game of the weekend for me. What you think? I think it's tough. Uh I'm leaning. And I'm gonna lean all the way. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna take Detroit. Okay. Okay. I know I know a lot of my picks have been chalk short of Miami. Um I just think Detroit, everyone was questioning why Dan Campbell went for two twice. Like he went for two from the two and then well, they it got three times, game. wasn't it? Well, yeah. Well, the yeah. So he was three times, but when he went for it on this from the seven, it was like, people were questioning, like, why would he go for two? He's like, because he's like, I don't want to play 10 more minutes. I want to lock this down now. I want to show my team, hey, we bought that action. Let's get it. And then Michael Parsons jumps off sides. Another reason I'm kind of like weary of Dallas is like, are you going to do that? Because that cost Kansas City a trip to the ASC to the Super Bowl in that cold game when Tom Brady threw the like the D tip Ford. bar interception. D Ford was lined up off sides, gave uh, New England a chance. Game kept going back and forth. Long story short, yeah, because they got a pick. Tom on Brady gets, yeah. yeah, they got the pick on that. Game's over. Yeah. But he's lined up offside. So just a mistake like that, I think, can hurt a team. Detroit is probably going to make a mistake. And I believe Laporta is still listed as out, maybe questionable. Yeah, I don't but think he's going to He play. had a bone bruise and yeah. hyper acidity and a bone bruise. I don't know. I know young bodies are young bodies, but I don't know if you could bounce back in six days and be ready to go for playoff football that quick. Yeah. Um, but – I, I I just trust the I just trust the energy of the Detroit Lions. I I like the Rams. I like Stafford. I don't know if it's going to be too much for him coming back and bringing this other, this new team in after they've been traded. Um, but I like Dan Cabell. I like what the team. I I like how they just kind of rally around him and they rally around his his demeanor. And on top of the fact, I mean, like, they are the number three seed. And they had a chance for the number two seed, whereas the Rams had to go on, like, this hellacious run over the last couple of months of the season. It was impressive. But, you know, at certain points of the year, they were looking like they were going to be a mediocre team. You know what I like? I like the Fugees. I like Lauren Hill. I like Bob Marley. No woman, no cry. I like that, right? No Laporta, no win. <laughs> you know, um, so this he is how, the Peninsula. I mean, the same way that you're thinking about Stafford coming into Detroit, maybe some emotions, maybe a slow start. I don't know. 
Jeff Jarrett Goff might be a little, I don't know what the word is, but trying to get revenge on Sean McVay. So he might be a little juice too. Have we you know? ever seen Jared Goff show any external? Have we ever emotion? seen Jared Goff play against the coach that got rid of him? No, but just like realistically. Like I'm, I'm being realistic. Press conference. <laughs> like you could think about Jalen Hurts, right? Because we're going to talk about him. You could think about a moment at the press conference where it looked like he was like somber. You could think about Tom Brady slamming the tablets, Cam Newton with a towel on his head, Andrew Luck retiring abruptly. Like a lot of these guys have shown us wide range of emotions. Uh, Matt Ryan get fucking set. Like, you know, like I haven't seen anything Peyton from Maddie, Jared Goff. Kicker. <laughs> Peyton Manning yelling at Jeff Saturday. How about you just call the plays? Like, you know, so. I haven't seen any of that with Jared Goff. I don't know if anything gets him. And they say that about him. Like, he's like, he has a real, like, this real California personality. I don't think the McVeigh thing is going to get to him at all. Well, we're going to see. You know, we definitely going to see. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll, I, affect, I, I don't think I, it'll affect his play. I, I if think he plays that, well or not, I don't, I don't think that's a factor in it. I think everybody in life, even Mr. Logical, the rational, mm-hmm. the even kill, there's something that gets under Mr. Logical's skin and makes Mr. Logical not be so logical, even if it's just for a moment. You know, saying how's that for some, you know, psycho relationship analogy. <laughs> you know, um, but uh Kyron Williams, impressive, third in the league in rushing, just ahead of James Cook, even though he missed some games. Detroit is 29th against the pass, but second against the rush. So here's strength versus strength. Who's going to win? You know, the Rams, 12th against the run and 25th against the pass. So both teams should be able to throw on each other. We should have ourselves an old-school shootout in the Dome, one of the few games this weekend not affected by weather. 35-30 Detroit. You know, um, Jared Golf, you know, finished third in uh, – Passing touchdowns, you know, Matt Stafford had himself, we talked about it, an MVP-like year. You know, he doesn't have the numbers. Like, he's not up there with Dak and them in touchdowns. But for what he did for this team, but there's one problem. So Detroit got C.J. back, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They got him back. But Cooper Cup and, of course, Mr. Nakua. Cool, cool, cool. Expect a lot of that. I'm taking the Rams. Well, I think is that our first. That's did our you first take one. You, okay, so you no, took Miami as well. Yeah, yeah, that's our first okay, one. Okay. I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking Detroit, and then finally oh, you're taking. A, you're taking the Rams. You said I'm saying the Rams. Yeah, I'm taking the Rams. Okay, and then finally, you know, said finally the Eagles have come back to Tampa. So this is a rematch from earlier this season. Philadelphia with the 25-11 to 11 win early in the season when they were going on their 10-1 rough shot over the league. Correct, uh, correct. It hasn't been so great lately. But it's been, are you willing well, to say that the living up here, Yeah. Living up here, you, you hear it. Like sometimes I get my car and the Apple Play won't connect, and it just automatically like, – it's all like a sports radio – just I don't know why, but I've I've heard a few like Philly fans kind of just be 
perturbed with it. <laughs> um, talking to Philly fans, because, you know, I'm at my son played sports. So it was like a lot of Philly fans right here would talk about them. There's a lot of Giants fans, too. So we right. just had these conversations. And just in general, I think Philly, the Eagles just have a lot of fans. They just, they've been a good team. They've always had like great looking jerseys. I think even people who aren't from this area really talk about it. My, the thing that I don't understand is that they didn't lose major pieces to their 10 and one team uh-huh. that start off this year. Uh-huh. Even if you look at the Super Bowl team, it's like you lost some some auxiliary pieces. Guys got money other See, you know, Gardner Jones got some money other places. Um, we talked about their secondary just not being able to handle the pass, but they get right. less sacks. And maybe is it I know the front end and the back end work together hand in hand where if you can cover for three seconds and make the quarterback come off his first and second read, then maybe a guy like Hassan Reddick, Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, George, like some of these guys can like get through. But they were getting less sacks because the deep like wide receivers are just open. I mean, they gave up 35 right. points to Arizona. Arizona essentially, when they traded for Josh Dobbs the week before the season started, it looked like they were tanking. It looked like they were trying to get the number one pick. And then all of a sudden they just started beating, like they beat Dallas, they beat Philly, obviously they beat Atlanta. They still lost a lot of games. They weren't like a top tier team. But it seemed like every week a different leader of the team was telling the media directly, we're not focused. We need to get back to basics. We need more buy-in. And this is like week 12, 13, 14. This is like after multiple weeks of like inadequate and subpar and substandard play. How was it that a different captain every week is still going to the media saying, Guys aren't focused. I haven't really heard anything definitive from, from Sirianni. But once again, I just I just feel like if Sirianni had the temperament of Jalen Hurts, I would trust that the team could turn it around. But they don't. And Jalen Hurts and Kelsey, the guys like Lane Johnson, some of these leaders, Fletcher Cox, it just feels as if their impact on the game should be more, especially with the talent level that they have. Like I said, they didn't lose. They actually added Jalen Carter to the defensive line. They should have been better. He was regarded as the best player in the draft, and they got him at, I believe, 10? Something like that, yeah. You know, with, with the Miami deal, the Miami trades and everything else. So I, I just think that they were, they were primed to be a better team. And the 11 wins is probably – Deceiving is probably along the lines of when Pittsburgh went started 11 and 0 a couple years back, and then Baker Mayfield and Cleveland beat them in the in the playoffs. It's kind of like a fool's gold. So I say all that to say this: I'm gonna take Tampa Bay just because I just I I'm not sure if everybody on the Eagles wants to play a game after this weekend. I hear everything you said. It makes so much sense. Yeah, it's a, it's a gift. But sports don't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Philadelphia is the better collection of players. Baker Mayfield's got these hurt ribs and ankle. 
Obviously, Jalen Hurts has a mangled finger. Keep going. I got to grab somebody right back. You know, A.J. Brown has the knee injury and all that. Um, You know, hopefully he can play. When I look at this, you know, back when we were talking about college football, we always talk about, but you ain't play nobody. Like, yeah, they're nine and three, but they ain't play nobody. So when I look back at Tampa Bay, during this season. I'm struggling to find the wins that impress me. So when I look at this, you know, they beat Kirk Cousins in week one. Minnesota, you know, full strength and everything, so you can't take that from them. Week two, they beat the Bears, who were not necessarily the Bears yet. They lost the Monday night game to Philly that we were just talking about. They beat the Saints, went on their bye. Lost by 14 to Detroit, lost at Atlanta, lost at Buffalo, lost at the Texans. So for those of you counting at home, that's four straight losses. They beat Tennessee, lost to the 49ers, lost to the Colts, beat the Panthers, beat the Falcons, beat the Packers, beat the beat-up Trevor Lawrence Jaguars and lost by 10 to the Saints at home. And then they scored nine points in a win over Carolina. So I'm not seeing this team that is better than Philadelphia outside of what you what you said, like as far as right. the, the mental stuff and all of that. Now, I would like to think, and obviously this is just guessing and conjecture on my part, you know, um, I think if you're Nick Sirianni, um, me and you had a conversation. We talked about is Philly bored. I'm not going to say they were bored. But what I will say if I'm Nick Sirianni is, look, we're in January now. Everything that happened before today doesn't matter. Today's a new day. We're the better team. We went to the Super Bowl last year. Are you that team or are you not? Yeah, I don't think that's enough, though. It might not I look be. at it like I look at it like this. We we talked about that, like we talked about the growth of Jordan Love from November when everyone was ready to bench him and say, "Man, they're really going to miss Aaron." Right. And then he turned it around. Miami and Philly were number one AFC NFC, and they both end up not winning their division. End up being five seeds to a team that kind of was on their heels all year and the other team got hot. But with Miami, I think it can be fixed schematically. I think Miami can just go back to the drawing board, make an adjustment here, adjustment here. Because if you think about some of their losses, we talked about the uh, the fumble that I felt should have been like for a progress stop with Tyreek in Germany against Kansas City. And then the punt return where the guy got hurt on the punt return. So the gap that he was in, he like hurt his knee or something and fell. So he would have been in that gap to make the tackle on Hardy. But when he fell down, he knocked another guy out of his lane too. Right. So he like he fell down. So he was, you know, of no use to the team. And then he knocked another guy out of the play. So you got two guys, one hole, pause. Uh, and so you know, Hardy, and of course it's Hardy, he runs right to the end zone. But I think Miami can fix that schematically. 
what my what Philly has been talking about, it's been mental and coordination and just being a good teammate and things of that nature right. for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. So if we are acknowledging that we have a a focusing issue, we have an issue with people being prepared, we have an issue with people buying in. Those are all the same catchphrases for multiple weeks. It's the same thing. I think Miami can go out there and say, hey, let's get these kind of passes off. Let's get these kind of runs. Let's stay out of third and seven. Let's stay out of this, and we can win the game. I'm not sure what Philly can say because they gave up a bunch of points to Buffalo. Philly could say Tampa Bay can't run the damn ball. But – Philly can't defend and, the pass. And can this dude with with bruised ribs get passes down the field? And can enough, we not enough enough Toradol at legal? Like, you know, you take medicine like every four hours. We not you give it to him an hour before kickoff. You give it to him again at halftime. I think, and then maybe you sneak a little bit in his in this his Gatorade or whatever you can give him. I think this is Custard's last. I think this is Custard's last stand. And then they go to Dallas next week and get destroyed. I like I said, I it's not that I believe in Tampa Bay. Right. You just I, don't believe in Philly. I just don't believe in Philly. Right. I just I, I don't you. believe and it makes sense. I, like I said, it makes sense. Like I said, I'll, I'll give you an example, like we talked about in a little pre-meeting. And I'm not I'm not here to like to to like peg AJ Brown as like some diva, but in a situation pause. where <laughs> pause. It's uh <laughs> it's third and seven. We'll say eight minutes in the first quarter. Maybe they got a possession and had to punt. This is their second possession, third, seven, third, and eight. He runs his route. He's open. Jalen comes off of him early, goes to Dallas Goddard. It's incomplete. Now they're punting. On the way to the sideline, the conversation could be, well, Jalen, hold that for another half a second. They're playing, you know, outside leverage on me. Hold the safety in the middle of the field. I'm going to be able to break. Whatever the case may be, you can have that dialogue back and forth instead of just screaming, I'm open, slamming your helmet. So if he doesn't get the ball and they got a punt and the score is 3-0, you know, and it's tight and it's like we need to make a play because they they all know they've been playing subpar football for the last month and a half. Right. You start to press. You start to be like, yo, you've been missing me for the last three weeks. I'm wide open. And Nick Sirianni comes over, and I'm not sure if he has a temperament to just Tony Dungy the situation. Because he's immature. I think he's gasoline on the fire situation. I think that they're just going to run the ball down Tampa's throat. Now, Vince, like, I mean, that's that's an easy stop. Unless you're just getting a bunch of tush pushes. Like, if I you're getting know. a bunch of third and ones, third and twos, and okay, I'll, 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 I'll give you that, but I'm just not sure that teams that have $255 million, $260 million quarterbacks revert back to running the ball in the playoffs. Well, he's got a mangled finger, so <laughs> they might have to for a game. It'll be all right to put Mariota in. But, no, don't do that, because if they do that, I am picking Tampa. Um, so <laughs> with that being said, Mr. Logical, we have reached the end of the show, but before we get out of here, we got to do it. Who you got in the Super Bowl? 
already hadn't even got to my picks yet. I don't know if it's going to work. That was it. The Super Bowl? Yeah, you got to make a prediction. Man, let me get to, let me get this next week off first. We still got 14 teams, and that's half the league. You made a Super Bowl pick before the season even started. All right, Baltimore and <laughs> San Francisco. All right, I'm going that's with San I'm going with San Francisco, and guess who? Miami. No. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Come on, man. You got Buffalo and San Francisco in the Super Bowl. But the 49ers will win the Super Bowl. Mr. Irrelevant. All they're going to talk about, he's the lowest draft pick to ever win Super Bowl since Tom Brady. Like, You're going to hit that 1,100 times. It sucks because, you know, preseason I had Philly and Cincinnati and, you know, obviously Joe Burrow's hurt and, you know, Philly is something. You know, they're Philadelphia. They're not Philly. <laughs> but I Joe. Had Kansas City and Atlanta, so. Yeah. We all make mistakes. He is the one and only, soon to be world famous, Mr. Lodge. You're. I am. Two, five. We are Sports Reports is order. Keep your eye out. You know, we'll be back next week. We're going to recap these playoff games. We're going to get y'all set up for something else. Maybe we throw some basketball in there for you. You know what I'm saying? Mr. Logical has made it known to me that he's planning on entering the hot box at some point soon. Absolutely. I'm getting in there. I'm getting in there. I only got one class this semester, so I might have the time. I'm going to make the time for it. So keep your eye out for that. You know what I'm saying? I might be on the hot box tomorrow. We'll see. You know what I'm saying? But, Joe, we love you, America. Enjoy the weekend. Play your football. There ain't much like it. Peace.